0: That same birth certificate. Where's that part? there do somebody else with that birth certificate and that name, so you got to switch that birth. So your DNA ain't gonna match. All this shit is about blood, and it's about rights, and the system is played according to the ones who rise up in the families with the blood and the right to exercise a jurisdiction, right? It's a self-realization process by learning who you are without nobody having to tell you, without no DNA test, just from the perception of what you've been taught through your family lineage. And then you use that as the first frame of reference to see the world. My mama made it clear to me from a little bitty boy that we wasn't from Africa. Right? She told me about our birthrights. I don't need nobody to tell me that. My mama educated me on our tribal rights. So when we come into this reality it's rules to the game. But don't nobody tell you the rules. You got to learn them by trial and by error. Mm,
1: oh, shit. Mm.
0: Because the pain and the suffering of the struggle builds the character to be able to endure to the, to the end. Okay. Right? So all these is manipulations of energy. Mm. And this ties into the reincarnation cycles. And um, most people... Having the time of their life experiencing misery on earth. Because mm-hmm. they might come from a planet that never had anything like it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> misery is unique to the human emotional spectrum mm-hmm. and the animals of the earth. Mm-hmm. Other species don't have emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Are we so the only species with emotion, Rod? Are we the only in the universe? Are we the only one species with emotions? That's
0: the question. Um, no, but a lot of them don't have them. A lot of them are pathologically sociopathic by nature. Oh, you have to be able to think that, walk them through it, linear logic. Right? They don't have that emotional energy. That's a side effect of mitochondria, by the way.
1: Emotion is a side effect of
0: mitochondria. Because yeah. it's the feminine transfer of energy and mm-hmm. high volume into the DNA. Mm. All of the energy that powers the DNA comes through the mitochondria in the cell. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. So the right brain processes the second heart or the second brain as the heart. So you think with your heart and you think with your brain. You got to match them, intelligence and affection. Mm -hmm. Right? That's how you produce wisdom. Mm -hmm. Right? So you get these two energies to flow at the same time. That's what they call balancing your chi, right? By balancing your chi, you cause all four chambers of the brain <clears throat> to beat in harmony, activating both left and right hemispheres simultaneously on the same beat. This creates a stronger and more powerful vacuum to pull the gold elixir from the coccyx tail region all the way up the spine in order to illuminate the mind. They call it the christening process. Right. right. And this is where you receive your Christ consciousness. It's all part of the game of life. Mm-hmm. We go through cycles. We didn't been through so many cycles. It's starting to get hard to come up with new ways to entertain the guys as a human.
1: Hmm. Hey Rod, we talked about um you know these entities that existed before um, you know Tahuti. You saying you was an incarnation of Tahuti at one time. We talked about um Enlil, we talked about all these entities. Um the entity known as Jesus, probably the most popular entity
0: Jesus and Isis.
1: Okay, so Jesus is ISIS. Now if Jesus is he Isis. Like he, he, like he
0: is. If Jesus is Isis. <laughs> it's Isis in Greek. Uh huh. And they just translated as Jesus into the <laughs> English language, but the J only 500 years old. There you go. How long ago is Jesus supposed to have been here?
1: Well, we, hear, we hear so many stories of Tahuti in the different names, like Tahuti mm-hmm. uh, uh the. What's the American name? The T.O.?
0: So uh, right. you talking about yeah. Quetzalcoatl.
1: Right. So what about Isis? Isis, Jesus, what's the...
0: Isis object? is the great mother, the queen of heaven and earth. Oh. She's known in Sumeria as Inanna. Inanna. Or Ninma. Yeah.
1: Like like Ilnana? Remember Foxy Brown, Ilnana?
0: <laughs> yeah. So the, the, uh, the, the great mother that came with Inky... She had a pact with the prime creator to produce a protector for the earth. And this is how the women decided to create men. Protectors
1: of the earth.
0: Yeah. Protectors of the women. And the women were supposed to be the caretakers of the earth. And we were supposed to assist them and protect them while they go out and grow the herbs. That heals the babies, right? They supposed to be able, we, like we fight lions or gorillas or bears or moose to protect the women, because the women gonna raise our next generation. This is the, to secure your future. So when you get there living this life, you creating the terms of agreement for the next life you incarnate in. You look at it like a radio station. Your DNA codons align to a frequency. The codons of the DNA is is alkaline crystal. Crystals relay information. The information attunes the DNA to set the frequency in which it produces the individual by building it up cell by cell. Right, so once you get into the form of an adult human, you should be able to communicate with every cell in your body, but they take the knowledge from you to confuse you so that you can make an error in this life that you have to pay for in the next one. These are the the basic laws of uh energy conservation. Entropy. They can. They know how to harness the decay of the entropy on the dark side at a negative energy in order to generate positive progressive energy. Right. right. Right, So taking dark forces, using them to produce things to assist the light. In other words, buying light bulbs so the house ain't dark. Right? So it requires the entropy, the breakdown in the energy, in order for the energy to alter form. Mm-hmm. When the energy begins to move, it produces friction, which generates light. Mm-hmm. And from the darkness come the light. That's all e- Egyptian science. Mm-hmm. right? And the Egyptian science comes from over here. The temple priest was all priests of the order of Tahuti, who went to teach all the people of the world by setting up universities of all types all around the world according to the culture of the people in the local area. The goal was not you're not supposed to upset the culture of the people of the land. So they did exactly the opposite to us. But our culture persisted, and it bubbled up in the blues, R&B, altered the music, right? And then you get into hip-hop. And hip-hop became the most powerful aspect of our culture, and it also became the most powerful vehicle to transfer information from tribe chief to tribe chief without them ever seeing each other. Put it in a song. Yeah, put it in the
1: sun. All right. And the arts. First-hand accounts of people that met him several times throughout their life said that he never aged a day. People throughout the ages have called him the man that knows everything, the wonder man, and the man that does not die. Let's get into the video. The Count of St. Germain's real name is unknown. His background is also obscure as we know nothing about his birth or childhood. There are many possibilities of the origins of the Count of St. Germain, one being that he was the son of Prince Francis Racosi of Transylvania. This would account for his wealth and fine education as he was a man of immense knowledge. Other reports identify him as the illegitimate son of Maria Anna of pauz the widow of Charles II of Spain. Other accounts say that he was alive in the time of Jesus Christ and attending the wedding at Cana, where the young Jesus would turn water into wine. The count's legend is so great that he apparently claims to have received the staff of Moses from one of Moses' great-grandsons in Babylon in the time of Cyrus the Great, who was the founder of the Persian Empire. This would have been around 530 to 600 BC. Throughout his life he created a confusing web to conceal his real name and origins and used different names depending on the people who he was visiting. However the name which stuck was the Count of Saint Germain when he courted European royalty and nobility in the 18th century. He would leave the rich and royalty in awe with his vast knowledge of science. He also knew the history of nearly every nation and could recount tales from thousands of years ago as if he was present there. He would play the violins, which would move people and leave them in tears. In addition, he spoke French, German, Dutch, Spanish, Portuguese, Russian, English, Chinese, Latin, Arabic, ancient Greek, and was even familiar with Sanskrit. The idea that the Count may have been immortal came to be in 1760, where the Count was visiting Paris that year. The Countess von Georgie had heard the Count had arrived at the home of Madame de Pompadour, the mistress of King Louis XV of France. The elderly Countess was questioning this, as she had met the Count while in Venice in 1710, some 50 years ago. When she met the count again, she was flabbergasted to see that he hadn't aged a day, and she proceeded to ask him if it was his father that she had met in Venice. The count replied, no madame, I myself was living in Venice at the beginning of this century, I had the honour to pay you court then. The elderly countess then replied, forgive me, but that is impossible. The Count I knew in those days was at least 45 no years artistry. old, and you from the outside, at that age are present. No Madame, I am very old, he said with a mysterious smile. But then you must be a 100 years old, said the Countess. The Count then replied, that is not impossible. The Count then provided details of their previous meetings and what life was like in Venice 50 years earlier. The Count would travel to England and he would contribute some of his own musical creations, a Lincoln Stanza de Lusa, an opera performed at the Haymarket Theatre in London. The Count would then be arrested in London on suspicion of espionage but was released without charge. Horace Walpole, the Earl of Oxford and a writer mentioned the count in a letter which stated, the other day they seized an odd man who goes by the name of Count Sir Germain. He has been here these two years and will not tell who he is or where he comes from. He sings, plays the violin wonderfully, composes, is mad and not very sensible. They call him an Italian, a Spaniard, a Pole. Somebody that married a great fortune in Mexico and ran away with her jewels to Constantinople. The Prince of Wales has grown very curious about him, but in vain. He was too great a musician to not have been famous. Stop. Stop there. Something else. The Count is then described as pale, with extremely black hair. And a beard. He also dressed magnificently and had several jewels, even his shoes were studded with them. The Count then appeared in the French court around 1748 and was employed by Louis XV for diplomatic missions. The Count would dine with Giacomo Casanova and would be described in his memoirs. The memoirs detailed their first meeting in Paris in 1757. He wrote, The most enjoyable dinner I had was with Madame de Robert Cherchi, who came with a famous adventurer known by the name of the Count of Saint-Germain. This individual, instead of eating, talked from the beginning of (coughs) the the meal to to the end. I listened to him with the greatest attention. It may be said that as a conversationalist, he was unequaled. He was a scholar, linguist, musician and chemist, good-looking, and a perfect ladies man, he gave them cosmetics and flattered them. This extraordinary man, intended by nature to be the king of impostors, would say in an easy assured manner that he was three hundred years old, that he knew the secret to universal medicine, that he possessed a mastery over nature, that he could melt diamonds professing himself capable of forming out of ten or twelve small diamonds one large one of the finest water without any loss of weight. All of this, he said, was a mere trifle to him. Notwithstanding of his bare-faced lies, I thought he was an astonishing man. In 1762, the Count would then travel to Russia, where he allegedly was involved in Catherine the Great's ascension to the throne. Under her rule, Russia grew larger, its culture was revitalized, and it was recognized as one of the great powers worldwide. In 1774, the Count would return to France when Louis XVI occupied the throne. He warned them of a revolution that would come to pass 15 years later. He was next seen in 1779, where the Count arrived in Altona, a borough of Hamburg. He met up with the Prince Charles of hesse Cassel, who had a great interest in secret societies. The Count showed the Prince several of his gems and told him he knew a better method to colour cloth. The Prince was impressed with the Count and would let him work in a laboratory and would supply him with materials so he could proceed with the project. The Count and Prince would create jewellery together and the Prince would recount that he was the only person the Count trusted. He told the Prince that he was the son of a Transylvanian Prince, Francis Rakosi, and that he had been 88 years old when he arrived in Altona. The Count was recorded to have died in his residence in the laboratory on the 27th of February 1784. He was buried the next day in a private grave in Nikolai Church in Eckenford. Now, for any ordinary man, that would have been the end of the story, but not for the Count. There have been many recorded sightings And meetings with the Count up to this day. Official records of Freemasonry show that they chose the Count as their representative for a convention in 1785. Oddly enough, in 1821, the Comtesse de Ademers, who was a French court official and memoir writer, recounted a conversation she had with the Count. I have seen Saint-Germain again. Each time, to my amazement, I saw him when the Queen was murdered, and on the eve of the murder of the Duke de Berry. The last time I saw him was in 1820, each time he looked to be a man no older than in his mid-forties. After, in 1821, the Count would take on another identity. A man named Albert Vandam wrote in his memoirs that he met someone that looked just like the Count of Saint Germain. He wrote, He called himself Major Fraser, lived alone, and never alluded to his family. Moreover, he was lavish with money, though the source of his fortune remained a mystery to everyone. was in Europe at all periods. His memory was absolutely incredible and curiously enough, he said he acquired his learning elsewhere than from books. Major Fraser would then disappear without a trace, and never be seen or heard from again. In 1870, Napoleon was so interested in the Undying Count, that he would put a commission together to collect information about him. The commission was stationed at the Hotel Derville. Just one year later, a mysterious fire would break out, destroying all the information regarding the count. In later years, many other people would come forward and would claim to have met the count. Everyone who came into contact with this man realized he was not ordinary. Some thought he was a liar. Others thought he was an extraordinary man with the wisdom of a man who had lived many lifetimes. Who was the Count? Was he the son of a Transylvanian prince? And did he really die? Why do people still have claimed to have seen the Count? And why does his name appear in records after his death? Is this man truly immortal, changing his name each century? He is certainly the most mysterious person I have ever read about. Tell me what you think in the comments section down below and make sure to like, subscribe, and share the video and have a great day. Bye.